two, this season of Cross Street Coaching is going to be a special one. Traditionally on this show, we talk about business, coaching, leadership, personal and professional development, all from a coach's point of view. But we're going to be diving into something a little bit different. We're going to have a season this year about the reluctant entrepreneur. And with me is Hawthorne Union's own founder, Diana Ideas. Heyo. Welcome aboard. So we're kicking off this first season and we've got a theme. We're doing something a little bit differently rather than kind of just having guests around a central idea. We're going to be talking all this year about the reluctant entrepreneur. Yep. So what is this all about and where are we going to start? Yeah. So I, I suppose I should start with some context and some background. So people that have listened to previous episodes, uh, episode 10, Hawthorne Union of Cross Street Coaching's first season may have heard this conceptually. Um, but for myself, I entrepreneur wasn't on my list. <laughs> it wasn't on my to-do list. It wasn't of interest. And um, even though I was a business owner, which is interesting, um, it was just to me, it was a side hustle. I wasn't interested in being an entrepreneur full, full time. So there was a reluctance that I had. And to me, to look at entrepreneurs always felt like someone else. That's someone else's dream. Um, I feel like a lot of times entrepreneurs, you see them as um, folks that are like, oh, you know, this is my passion and I have to make this in the world. And or, oh, I couldn't work for anyone else. So my definition of what an entrepreneur was, was I think limited. And it wasn't necessarily just looking more holistically to say, hey, this there's products that the market doesn't offer, or I have services that I want to provide to the market. Um, so for me, it was actually a really big identity piece and identity shift. And the reason to lean into this is actually it's resonated with a lot of people. I think a lot of people who don't necessarily see themselves as entrepreneurs, and then the pandemic happened, and they're either have job loss or looking for, hey, you know, after a great resignation, what do I want to do with my life? How can I make either side income or main income? So I do think that this is an important topic to talk about. And for me, it just wasn't ever something that appealed to me. And so I feel like I, because I have that reluctance, I had a different approach. And I wanted to just put it out there to share because my hope is, is that it resonates it, for those who already are entrepreneurs. Hopefully it's validating of where they are. But for people who have some reluctance about whether it's a side hustle or the entrepreneurial life, my hope is, is that this can be either validation for why you made the choice and why you're like, no, thanks. I don't want to step off that cliff. Or it can be a kind of, hey, here's our, here's some things to think about or potentially consider on your own path. Yeah, I really always have liked your take on it. And I think one of the reasons that I had said we should do a podcast about it was to yes and what your experience was as someone who kind of was running parallel, right? Alongside you as you were trying to develop Hawthorne Union and seeing Thank what goodness. was going on. <laughs> yeah, goodness, and, you're running parallel. <laughs> and here we are, is that, you know, two years ago during when the pandemic all really, really started and all this stuff was happening really, really fast, the people who were getting, who were at the most at risk were small businesses and entrepreneurs. Knowing that there wasn't a whole lot you could do the first action that I took was to just give away some free coaching just to support my community. Now, I traditionally come from big business, big companies, big organizations. And when you kind of have that mindset, you sort of take a lot of things for granted that in the entrepreneur world, uh, things like leadership, they're not a one-for-one -one comparison. They don't automatically apply, especially when you're wearing 
not just multiple hats that leaders in in larger companies normally do, but as entrepreneurs, you're a business owner and you're the leader and you're the subject matter expertise and you're the person who cares the most. And you also wear these other hats that coaching and supporting these types of, of small business owners or entrepreneurs is a lot different than what, what I've experienced. And I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it a lot. It's a different challenge. And also for some of the same reasons that I got into coaching in the first place, which is to support people who I feel were some of the most unsupported people in our industry and in big business, that's usually leaders because they're doing so much and all the time. But when you're an entrepreneur, you can 10x that easily. I was curious as a natural progression of kind of the show, which was, you know, we started talking about my kind of journey, started talking about coaching. We talked leadership last year entrepreneurship is a very, very relevant topic. And your kind of take on it and it really, really gels with my experience. So I said, let's do this. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> and I'm nodding, which is not helpful to the recording. But yes, I'm nodding along to what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. It, thank you. It, it is very helpful in person, not so helpful on a podcast. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's like the hand gestures too, where you got to explain <laughs> it. And uh, the, on a podcast where if my hands are together and then you push them apart and make a big big circle with your hands. So you've spent two years talking about reluctant entrepreneur. Where does that leave you today? Yeah. So what's interesting is that reluctance for me seems to be how I embark on kind of new variations of entrepreneur. So now that the business is growing, which is amazing, and I'm so thankful for, uh, I see my reluctance and in some ways fear of having a full-time employee because the idea of, you know, figured out how to be financially responsible and how to support myself with the business, which I'm super thankful for. But then the idea of bringing someone else on full-time um, is, it's just scary to me. I have reluctance about that. That's someone else's family. That's someone else's livelihood. And also I don't ever want anyone to join the business that has to leave the business because there's not enough money. And that may be unrealistic, <laughs> right? That, but at the same time, Hawthorne Union is like a family. And when people, when a couple people in the union lost their jobs because of COVID or just were in jobs that didn't, they didn't want to be in, um, that was motivating to me to figure out, okay, can this business be big enough? Can this business be financially secure enough that I have the option to give give the work or share the workload with with others? Um, so what it seems what seems to be interesting to me is like for me the reluctant entrepreneur it was an identity piece, right? Well, that's not me. Like I, I'm not that. Well, that didn't help me, <laughs> right? I mean, it's kind of like when you look at diversity, equity, and inclusion, and someone's like, well, I don't have bias, and <laughs> it's like, no. One, you do have bias. And two, if you're not looking at your bias, then you can't grow. You can't make an improvement there. So for me, it was an identity piece. I'm thankful that I was already a business coach. So some of the natural things that I think entrepreneurs struggle with, like, you know, how do you share your time and revenue streams? And, you know, not that I'm an, I'm definitely not a natural in marketing, <laughs> right? That's been a slow growth. But you know, having supported entrepreneurs and business owners before I became and really leaned into one was helpful because I had more context. Um, but it's, it's interesting that as the business expands, and I look at, okay, now we thankfully have folks, yourself included, who are coaching for, through Hawthorne Union, in addition to the classes that we offer. So it's exciting to be able to be a revenue stream. But I see as we think about getting bigger or continuing to grow. I just, 
what's challenging for me is like, it, it, it's just, it wasn't on my list. Like I had things that were really important to me in my life. Like I wanted to go to six continents by the time I uh, turned 30. I wanted to be an MCC um, by the time I turned 40. So <laughs> I'm outing my age people <laughs> or just saying that I'm an MCC already. So it's like, I had these, you know, I've had different really big, I've always been very goal driven and goals in my life. So it's interesting for me to, from, you know, it was never my goal to be my own boss. Um, you know, the Hawthorne Union aspect of teaching coach education, just because so much of coach education is, is awful and boring. I'm sorry. I know it's not meant to be awful and boring. Um, but, you know, I just think as coaches, we can do better. But for whatever reason, for me, there was a distinction between having a business on the side, almost like, you know, a friend of mine who, you know, has a camper that he rents out or someone who has a second property. To me, there's a difference between kind of a side hustle income and really committing to the entrepreneur life. So I kind of went in a circle, speaking of circles and hand motion. So I don't know if yeah. I actually answered your question. And Diana is now doing kind of a shot. Yeah, now I'm doing the wave. Like dance, a wave dance. I would with say let's hands. take this to video, but you know me well enough to say, no, let's not. <laughs> So you talked a lot about goals, that you did have goals, right? You had very specific personal goals about being an MCC and traveling. But what was your goal when it came to business, if it clearly wasn't being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So to me, I wanted Hawthorne Union to be my retirement plan because a lot of continuing education out there for coaches is is unfortunately very boring. And and it's, you know, I was like, hey, we could do better. And and I wanted coaches to also be able to own the content that they taught. So I thought, hey, we'll just start up these classes. People will take them as they need classes. Um, and then that's it, you know? And then I was coaching on the side. And so it gave me, you know, make sure I have everything above board for tax purposes. So it was just going to be my retirement plan. So I didn't actually, I'm thankful that I had it set up when a job that I thought would be full time ended up not being full time, especially when I was in a community where I really didn't know anyone and I didn't have a lot of relationships. Um, but at the same time, I remember in a coaching session with, with Jesse, Jesse was, you know, all Hawthorne Union coached me about it. Thankfully, it was a rough road. But you know, I remember in a conversation with Jesse, I was like, you know, I was calling myself the temporary entrepreneur. And I was like, but what if what if the entrepreneur part isn't temporary? And that was really scary to me. And actually, when I met Paul, and Paul was, you know, doing his own entrepreneur thing. I was like, I don't really understand your people. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand you. Like, I'm not that. Like, how do you do it? Um, and so, for me, it was just kind of like a side thing. I never thought it would be a main thing. And um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that it is. But I guess I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. And it, it felt, it didn't feel safe. And so, I think that's actually a lot of what we'll end up talking about, whether it's today or another day is risk tolerance. I guess I saw entrepreneurs as having a risk tolerance that I didn't have. And my risk tolerance has changed over time as I get more used to the entrepreneur life. Um, at the same time, it just felt, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur and there was feast and famine with that. My ex-husband was an entrepreneur and, you know, it's, it's hard. And, you know, I've, it's, as I've supported entrepreneurs as clients, but then also in my personal life, it was just, to me, it was a life where people are working all the time. There's no limits. Um, you can work really hard and you don't know if the money will come in or not. To me, that's one of the differences. It's like, you know, there's, there's definitely grind in corporate and too many meetings and all of that stuff. But you know, if you show up and you do what you need to do, you're going to get a paycheck. 
Whereas that's, there's no guarantee of that in the entrepreneur life. And for those of you playing at home, when Diana is referring to Jesse and Paul, those are both friends of the show and yes. fellow coaches here at Hawthorne Union. Yes, you can go to hawthorneunion.com slash about and see the beautiful map of all of our pictures and uh, read more about us there. They've also been on the show. They've also got mm-hmm. two episodes previously, but you never know. Some people may be tuning in just this season. Welcome. Yeah. Well, if you are welcome. So let's get down to brass tacks. I mean, Diana, is this, our, you know, you were reluctant to kind of start into this. You're reluctant now to hire a new person. Is this just us going to be talking for a whole year about all the things you don't want to do and have to? <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think it's figuring out like how to move through it. So, you know, someone I'm talking about is fear and risk and identity and looking at like how, how it's not just, you know, I don't want a whole season about me, right? I want it to be useful to other people. That's part of what we're, we're here doing. But I guess, I guess it's to say, so if someone only tunes in for one episode, it's just because something doesn't resonate with you or it wasn't on your list of goals doesn't mean it's not possible. And I, I guess that's kind of the thing is what I realized now with like my reluctance to take on uh, someone full time. However, I was talking to some clients this as we closed out this last year. And I anticipate in the next year or two that we may have the business that that makes that make sense. So I, I think some of it is just reacting to the newness. So for me, it's figuring out like, hey, when you look at something, whether it's a health goal or your business goals or financial goals or whatever it is, just because it scares you doesn't mean doesn't mean you can't go for it. And I was I was reading something last night, and they they were talking about blocks, and they said to I to identify a block is actually a moment to be celebrated in progress because the fact that you're frustrated that there's a block there indicates that you're ready to do the work and you're not planning on it stopping you. So I guess for me, some of the reluctance has been, hey, but do it. How are you going to do it anyway? And I would actually argue that some of my reluctance makes me less foolhardy than some other entrepreneurs who are like, oh, you know, I'm just going to jump off this cliff and it's going to work out. Um, Me being like, okay, where's the money? What support do I need? Like what happens if this and what happens if this and what if this? So some of that reluctance in some ways, I think probably actually made me more responsible. So I think there's probably people out there who are like, oh, I'm not pursuing my dreams because I'm a scaredy cat, or it doesn't feel worth it. But I guess what I want to say is, can you use that? Can you use the fact that it scares you or it doesn't feel worth it to perhaps make it even stronger so that you can pursue it? If you decide. Yeah, I would love to find out. And again, as Diana was talking, when she's talking about blockages, she makes an open palm with one hand and driving a fist into another one like a martial arts pose. (laughs) So I guess this is going to be a a play-by-play of of me, all of Diana's nonverbal communication. But I, I think one of the things that you're tapping in on is that, especially when you talked about identity earlier, is that when people think about entrepreneurship, they hear very clearly two types of stories, right? Someone that just basically was so driven that sacrificed everything that spent every waking moment in a garage, right? The very, very hard work, the feast or famine. And this is like their calling and they have to do it and nothing else will do. Or the people that have been so disavowed by big business, they're saying, I can't work for anyone else ever again. So therefore, I have to make this work. And it feels like there's some some version of those two stories. But if anything, the last two years have taught us even what uh, is being coined as the great resignation is that the 
the safety and security and the identity that we feel, especially, I would say, most in the modern USA, which is working for a company that feels safe, that feels like this is the right thing to do. And entrepreneurship is scary and risky. And that is for only specific types of people that those those lines are and those curtains are kind of coming down. Mm -hmm. And that honestly, big business... When it comes down to brass tacks, sometimes we'll look out for themselves. They oh, won't necessarily for sure. look out. And that there is risk there. And that sense of security that we had is a lot more thinly veiled than we are led to believe. And so I do think that the conversation is right at time for people to realize and to start taking these feelings that we've had on what is the right way to do things or the right way to business or the right way to take care of your family or take care of your passion projects. All those things are kind of changing. And I also really liked how you said, like, are these feelings something you can tap into and use? Or is it just a hurdle that you have to overcome? Right? Fear, risk. What do you think? I think... So in the coaching definition of the International Coaching Federation, they talk about people being resourceful and whole. And it's actually interesting as as we have a class that's DEI for coaches and working with DEI practitioners, sometimes you're working with people who have been wronged and there's pain there and they don't feel resourceful and whole. But in the spirit of us being credentialed coaches and in the spirit of the ICF definition, The thing is, is if you look at yourself and you look at your life and you say, okay, I'm resourceful and whole, what do you want? Right? Like that's so much of coaching is the difference between the current state and the desired state. So I think it's a matter of, I guess the hope with the reluctant entrepreneur is that if you're reluctant, like looking at the reasons for that, you know, I was reluctant because of a family history, because based on the definitions we shared of what I thought entrepreneurship was, I didn't fit in those. Um, It felt too scary. It felt too risky. I was like, I'm fine working for someone else. Um, So I think it's just a matter of, hey, is this something you want? And if it is something you want, go get it, but also or try it. I think the other thing, though, is that the illusion of safety is not the same thing as actually being safe. And, you know, that was a conversation at the beginning of the pandemic that I had with um, the entrepreneur and small business that does our website. And we were like, wow, you know, like, yeah, we had clients that couldn't pay us. Yeah, I had almost seven months where I didn't get any new clients. So I'm thankful that I had continuing clients. But also, we couldn't actually be fired. And then there was aid available to those of us who had already established a business. So. I think something that comes to mind to me, because I want, of course, this show to be educational and helpful to other people. I think one of the things to consider is, you know, when you look at your passion projects, or when you look at your retirement, like, you know, even though retirement may be far out, you likely are investing now or quote unquote, should be investing now. Um, And so thinking about, hey, what are you doing now that can potentially prepare you for your future? But then also, if something were to happen, if you're a full-time employee or you need to take a leave or for medical reasons or personal reasons or whatever, looking at are there things that you love or things that you care about or things that you're willing to do that can help you with side income? I think that's one of the amazing things about like Uber and Lyft 
um, or Airbnb, right? There's different ways for people to make money and have that be something that they do um, on the side. So for me, the safer way to look at it comes down to revenue streams, like what can create a revenue stream for you. So when I graduated from college, one of the jobs I almost applied to was to be like a tour guide around the world. Because I was like, are you kidding me? I love to travel. These people are going to pay me to travel. But then I ended up not applying because I was like, you know what, if someone loses their passport and is having a hissy fit about it, I don't want that to be my problem. (laughs) I don't want to take my passion for travel and make that into a job. So I think that that's the thing is like your hobbies or your passions don't have to be revenue stream sources. But one of the things to look at in your, I think, looking in the mirror, looking at yourself to say, hey, is this something I want? Do I want to make sure that I have additional revenue? Is there something that I could make money at or I'm interested? You know, one of the, one of the women I worked with in back when, back when I was in corporate and in an office, she would make green smoothies. Like she had a garden. She would make us green smoothies. She charged like $5, I think, a jar for these huge smoothies. And she had a bunch of us in the office who would pay because I'm like, yes, I will drink vegetables, but I don't want to have to pick them and clean them and blend them up myself. And it was great because like she, her kids would help her in the garden. So then it was this thing where she's helping, you know, her, her, one of her children had, I think a lot of health issues. So actually that's what got her into making these green smoothies. So then it becomes a family thing. She's growing organically in San Francisco, right? So she's urban gardening. And then she comes into the San Francisco office and she had probably like 10, 15 of us that would, you know, buy from her on a regular basis. So, you know, that's potentially, you know, Christmas presents for her kids or who knows college fund for her kids or something nice for her. Or like at one point she went ahead and invested and like got a Vitamix because it was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. So I think when you look at entrepreneurship and you look at revenue streams and possibilities, it can be something small. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But I think something that was eye-opening for me and I didn't expect is, you know, not only do our businesses look like us, and I tell coaches this, like, hey, your coaching should sound like you. Your leadership should look like you. Like who we are and the infusion of our personalities should show up in our work and in our lives. But then also like a child, your business kind of takes its own entity. And so I think some of my reluctance as well is that I just thought Hawthorne Union was going to be this little side business that like every once in a while, I'd put a couple hours a week into. And that's not what it wanted to be. So um, I think that's the hope, right? That your business can grow up and be successful without you. Um, but sometimes sometimes that's more risk than at least for myself than I was comfortable with. Yeah. One of the things that I really hope for this season is kind of what you're talking about, which is where someone's doing something for a small purpose, whether it is, you know, Christmas holiday money, or whether it's just to get through a rough patch, or something for fun, that that can absolutely be entrepreneurship. And it doesn't necessarily mean that every single thing that you enjoy has to be slapped into an Etsy store. If you do anything that's crafty, they're like, oh, you should should make that a business. You should make that a business. Make that a business. Sure enough, you're hearing from people left and right that everything has to be somehow attributed to to opening an online store or to, to doing some kind of transaction with that. And so I hope to kind of deconstruct that notion a little bit, because I think there's a lot of messages out there to take every single nook and cranny of your free time and to monetize it. And that's not necessarily, you know, that is a very, again, a very polarizing view of what, of what entrepreneurship is. It's either you're making money or you're not making money, but it can be these small little endeavors and it can be, 
time limited or it can be maybe not a huge business. It can always be something small that you do just for fun, right? The the idea of the lemonade stand because mm-hmm. you really like organic lemons. Or if you, I mean, pff, if I had an urban garden, shoot. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm thirsty right now, but I, so I really like that idea. Um, and so I'm hoping to kind of be able to talk a little bit more about some of those things and, and kind of walk back the notion of just being, it's either this way or it's that way. You're either making money and you're like thinking about growing and opening up your own shop and your storefront, or it's not really entrepreneurship. Right. And so what, yeah. what are you kind of hoping for that people will hear in the season to come? You know, so I have my students, my coaching students, uh, shout out to university of Texas at Dallas. Uh, listen to different podcast episodes to get different ideas. And, and also, you know, as they think about building their own businesses as coaches or, or working in the organizations as coaches. And what's interesting is, is the concept of reluctant entrepreneur seems to help a lot of them feel the identity piece and feel known. So in their reflections on it, a lot of them will say, well, I'm a reluctant entrepreneur, or I, you helped me realize that I'm a reluctant entrepreneur. So I, I think so much of there's so much power in naming, right? It's like if someone is like, Oh, hey, like you're being gaslit, there's, you know, there's an affirmation and understanding, like I understand where you're coming from, or there's an identity piece. So I think, I think some of it is just an identity, like for, for, it doesn't have to just be people who are like, I'm so passionate about this, that I'm going to make this happen. Um, I think sometimes also it's just identifying a need, like, hey, we could do this better. That's where a lot of, I think, the healthier kind of skincare and laundry soap and things like that come from. You know, like I'm thinking of like Jessica Alba. She was like reading the ingredients of something she was putting on her child. And she was like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to make my own. Right. So, but you don't have to be a celebrity, right? A celebrity with all this disposable income. It can be, it can be something smaller. So I think, you know, creating, creating a space for people that may feel like they were other and it didn't feel like that to say, you know, being open to the possibility. Um, and then also I'd love to, of course, provide like resources and context. So I think the thing is, is like a lot of times when I talk to my folks who work full time about like revenue streams or retirement plans, it's not a conversation they've had. Um, or, you know, I talked to someone today about career pathing and I was like, Hey, you know, we should think about where you want to go. Like if you're wanting to go to the C-suite or VP or another company, or if you want to do this as a consultant. So before I, this wasn't my identity and it was kind of a blind spot. Like I just didn't really get it. Um, so I think some of it is just so much of entrepreneurship, I think is seeds, planting seeds, whether relationships or with products, and then seeing like, how does the market respond? And how do people respond? And can those seeds take root? So I guess it's kind of putting the seeds out there and saying, if people decide that they want to water these on their own, they can either listen in because they like us or listen in and be like, wow, I would never do that. That doesn't appeal to me. But I I guess if there's dreams out there that aren't being fed, um, that if people walk away from them, feeling more assured or more hopeful. That's my hope. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope we get to talk about that today. And again, kind of walk back some of the very strong examples of of what people think that being in business or pursuing dreams or passions look like. 
I mean, I can already think of a couple examples of uh, friends that I have that have quit their job to try to follow their dreams and it doesn't work out the, the way that they've wanted. They've had to go back to getting mm-hmm. a regular nine to five. And some of those people have stayed there and have kind of learned a lot from that experience. Some of the people have said, I'm only here for a little while until I can get back out there. And I think all of those are cases where people are learning and trying things. And that's not necessarily failure, Mm -hmm. right? Success is only attributed to, I guess, a dollar sign and employee count. Well, then I, I think that's a pretty terrible, terrible outlook, which is everything has to aspire to be this very unidirectional sort of format. So that's the other thing as well as to, is for me is to redefine kind of success. Mm. And when you said passion, that's kind of the first thing I thought about, which is something that is actually fulfilling, fulfilling both at hopefully at some point financially. Right. Um, but also mentally, maybe spiritually for some people as well, right? When they're fulfilling and moving towards their passions. At least those are the things that I'm hoping we can uh, get into in this season. Yeah, right. Yeah, because it, it's and it's interesting. There's so many journeys, right? Like I support someone now who tried, left his full-time gig, tried it, then had to go back to corporate, didn't want to go back. And it was like sucked the life out of him. But so now he's back on the entrepreneur side. And a lot of what we talked about was, hey, that wasn't failure, you were learning. And a friend of mine used to do talks on and she may still actually do talks on generational poverty. And one of the things she said was, you know, when did failure, like when did learning become failure? Right? Like there's a distinction there. So I, my, my hope is whatever someone's path, whether they feel like, Hey, let me give this a try or not, or just feel safe and secure in their full time. It's figuring out like, Hey, what, what dreams do you need to feed and what resources are out there so that you feed those dreams? Because that's, I mean, that's really what it's about. Like we're coaches. It's like, okay, what's your current state? What's your desired state? What are you trying to do? And for me, I just reluctance is not a normal response to me. Um, you know, I am often characterized as passionate, which is a nice word for it, um, and or bold or brave. And it's funny because I don't normally feel brave because things don't usually scare me. Um, but this is something that was scary to me. And so there was like a reluctance and a fear and I don't want to do this. And so my hope in sharing more of that and then sharing some of the things that got me through and then your kind of questions and insights and what you want to share and how you want to shape this as well um, will be helpful. Yeah. So where does coaching fit into all of this, right? Is this, is this a coach show for coaches to talk to other coaches about starting a coaching <laughs> business? I mean, is that how meta we're getting here? I mean, it can be, but I, I think it's broader than that. I, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, to be successful, it's what supports are in place. And actually, the entrepreneur that I was talking about, who I'm happy to say is doing very well, um, we're in a coaching engagement. So we, we trade coaching and kind of, you know, and, and he supports me in my business and I support him in his business. I think it's really important to have people along the way. So community is something that's very important to me, whether that's a community of coaches or not. But it's like when I when my full time job fell through, and I was devastated. Thankfully, a friend of mine locally was like, why don't you come over and we'll brainstorm. And so like we went over and brainstormed. And that was actually the first group coaching proposal I ever put together. And her company didn't end up buying it. But the point is, is that 
she gave, she like helped me through. She gave me hope. And then I don't know if it was a year later, but I was really discouraged. And I looked at her and I was like, I don't think I can do this. And she just laughed at me. <laughs> like she laughed in my face, not cruelly, but that's what I needed because I was like, I don't, I can't do this. Like, this isn't for me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how. And so I think you need people who believe in you. And oftentimes the entrepreneur life means you're creating something that it hasn't been done. Because we're not talking about franchising here, which you know that may be a middle road and may be appealing to people is to franchise instead of being an entrepreneur so that you're not kind of creating the own business. But if you're going out there and you're bootstrapping it and entrepreneur lifing, more than likely you're either selling a product that didn't exist or your version of it didn't exist. And so there's unknown. And, you know, I think that you need support and also the tough love when someone's like, Hey, that's not working. Or Hey, when's the last time you talked to your family or your kids or your cash reserves empty? Um, you know, what's the point at which you, how much debt are you willing to spend before you walk away from this? So that's where the coaching piece comes in. I'm just, I'm thankful that we're coaches and we look out for each other in that way. But to me, it's about support and community, which I think people need regardless of what they do to make their income. Yeah. I mean, to me, the coaching aspect is just a different way of looking at it, right? Which is means that a camera is still a camera, but a very narrow lens where some where there's a person in focus and the background is all blurry is one way to take a photo. And there's another way to take a photo where it's very wide angle, where you can see the mountains and stuff in the distance. Those are both taken with the same apparatus, a camera, but the lens it just has your eye focus on a different aspect. And that's mm. what I'm hoping we can bring as coaches, which is an entrepreneur talking to other entrepreneurs. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's great. They're going to focus on certain things, but us as coaches that help and support other people and their businesses, and then kind of juxtaposing our own experience in the business world as well, is just another way of looking at it. And maybe there's something else you can find. So that's my hope for the listeners this season. All right. Well, we have successfully kicked off this series. Diana, anything else that's coming to mind before we wrap it up for today? I guess I'd be curious your thoughts because you witnessed this journey. Anything either you want to share or you want to make sure we integrate in this season? Yeah, we kind of started touching upon it, which is risk. And, you know, I, my personal journey is someone who is very, very risk cautious and very risk adverse. I am still that way, but I have learned to operate in, in this kind of space with additional risk without feeling like I have changed identity. The, the best way that I can, that I can paint the picture is by going in your closet and realizing that over the last four or five years, you kind of see this blend of some of your old clothes and clothes, some of them that you're like, oh yeah, I still wear this from time to time. And some of the new clothes you have. And then really like the one time that you go in your closet and really noticing that there is this weird like gradient, this weird <laughs> scale. And at the place that I'm at today, after everything that's happened to me personally and joining you in this journey of Hawthorne Union, that is one thing that I've, I've noticed a lot, especially in the past few months. And I'd be really excited to capture and share that as far as someone who 
again, doesn't, you know, is always looking to be more collaborative in nature rather than to be like, be their own boss, but to also start diving into this space. You know, I didn't personally be like, yeah, I'm a reluctant entrepreneur too, but I certainly have noticed a lot of growth as I've ventured with you on the Hawthorne Union journey that I'd like to share and kind of dive into and see if the same thing, which is you're finding a lot of your students identify with the term reluctant entrepreneur, which is giving people a vocabulary to talk about a feeling, a certain way that maybe isn't already naturally there in the lexicon. And I'm hoping to share just another another piece of that as well as someone who's kind of started to to lose the idea of single job, single revenue stream and kind of move more into this space of the reluctant entrepreneur. So that's what I'm hoping to explore. Well, well and I want to give you a shout out as well. So actually, you know, this is and this is the value of sometimes this may not be something you see for yourself. But it's interesting because a lot of people in my life that are like, Oh, what are you doing now? And they're like, Oh, of course, you're an entrepreneur. Of course, you're a business owner. It's like they could all see it. And then, you know, when I was scared <laughs> and like, what am I doing and why am I doing this? Um, Jason, when you were like, Hey, like, you know, I'd work for you. And I was like, really? I was like, cause I wouldn't, like, I, I don't think this is a good idea, man. But it's, it's kind of like that belief and your belief in my process was really valuable. So, um, having been here since the beginning, I am super grateful and I'm excited to go on this journey with you. And I think ultimately that's what it is, right? reluctant entrepreneur, it's either a journey into kind of figuring out, hey, what if you drop the reluctance and are just an entrepreneur? Or it's something uh, going on a journey to say like, you know, this isn't the path for me. And I've looked at that and decided and feel really good about their, my choices. Because I think that's ultimately what it is, is it's we're talking about too about quality of life. So yeah, we're absolutely going to talk about risk. Um, but also another thing we can get into is quality of life. Because I think that's a lot of times why people don't make it is that they can't sustain it either financially or emotionally, energetically, their relationships, etc. Agreed. Lots of good topics. Lots of things coming up in the season ahead. So as we close out for today, Diana, where can people find out more about you? Where can people connect with you? Yeah. So please come check out Hawthorne with an E, uh, union.com and uh, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E union.com. Um, about us, reach out to us, uh, info at hawthorneunion.com. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Diana IDEUS on LinkedIn. And Jason's good about putting that stuff in the show notes, but I'm the only one. I'm the only Diana Ideas. And uh, yeah, just love to be in contact. And if people have questions, if they're like, hey, I'm this or I'm not this, or it'd be really helpful to talk about this, you know, we're very collaborative in nature and coaches like to co-create and partner. So if there's things that people want to hear about, you know, happy to happy to hear about that as well. Absolutely. We will have Diana's contact in the show notes. Also, you can keep in touch with me also on LinkedIn, Jason Spector on LinkedIn. And I'm also, uh, you can look me up on the Hawthorne Union website as well. And later we will relaunch probably our cross street coaching website to kind of focus on what we're doing this year. And if you want to send us some notes that would be, or ideas that for things for us to cover this season, we'll be accepting those as well. And we'll kind of formalize that process probably later in the months to come. So we'll leave it there at that. Thank you as always. Thank and you. You're welcome. And until next time. Sounds good. Sounds good.